Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. message portion of our service. If I haven't met you again, my name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor. It's great to see all of you. Got a packed house this morning. This is exciting to see. Um, Everybody's smiling too. It's good. Beautiful scenery to look at. So if you get tired of looking at me, you can just look outside and see the snow. This is good. I love it. All right. So uh, today we are continuing our message series, Soul Detox. How many of you have uh, heard the other two or at least one of the messages that we have? Uh, three people in the room? I know there's been more people. Okay, lots of people have heard the message. Soul Detox uh, is a series that we're in uh, throughout this month of January. It's actually going to bleed into uh, next week as well. And this is a series that's really all about, you know, at the beginning of the year, oftentimes people say, gosh, I've eaten so much food or I've got a lot of stuff in my body. I just want to start fresh and new and I want to kind of clean out myself and do a detox, right? Well, it's just as important, if not more important, for us to do the same thing in our souls. And the reason for that is it comes from this concept that the Bible teaches about. If you've been following along, um, this is kind of the main theme that goes throughout the entire series, and that is this, is that we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. The Bible points that out, that long after this body, the flesh and bones that we have is gone and in the ground, that our soul lives on. And so much of who we are, the reasons we feel the way that we do, the outlook on life is all really dependent upon the way that the condition of our soul. And so we're spending this month detoxing our soul. And we talked about the restless soul. We've talked about the heavy soul. Well, today we're continuing our series with a little bit of a deeper, a little bit more of a heavier topic um, called the tortured soul. The tortured soul. And I want to start with a quick story about being tortured. When I was a young man, uh, I like to think that I'm still somewhat of a young man, although my birthday's this week and I'm approaching 40 rapidly. But um, when I was a younger man, I was in high school, middle school and high school, there was a, a boy uh, in my class and in the school. His name was Daniel Kim. Daniel Kim still sticks with me, the amount of pain that he caused me in my life. He was a typical bully, um, except that he was also a martial arts-oriented bully. So what would happen is, is I would go to school on a regular basis um, every day, and I could not get through a single day without him torturing me um, with some sort of physical or emotional abuse. Uh, I, I still remember there was this one day, I'm walking down the hallway in my middle school, and he, like I said, he's martial arts oriented. He was trained by his family. I think they owned like a dojo or something. So he knew some of it. And I'm telling you, this kid, one day I'm walking down the class, you know, from one class to another, and he literally comes out of the crowd and does like this crazy ninja kick thing and puts his foot like an inch from my face, like he was about to kick me in the face. There were so many times where he would push me around. He also rode on the bus with me on the way home from school. And there were several times where he would be on the bus, he would come back to my seat, and he would kind of tower over me, and he would make fun of me, he would yell at me, he would like kind of slap my hand, my hair, and, all, and my face, and these things. There were times where he would push me around into lockers. I mean, I seriously felt tortured by this kid. 
tortured by him. It was awful. Uh, day in, day out, I, there was, I would find myself trying to find ways to avoid seeing him. If I knew he was going to be on the bus, I would, I would beg my parents for an opportunity to take me to school. Have any of you ever experienced a bullying situation at all or anything like that? I'm the only one in the room. No, there have been a couple people here. Bullying is terrible, and torturing is terrible. Now, typically, we think of torture as a physical thing, right? Whether it's like uh, in a military situation or even in a bullying situation, but it's actually something that is also able to be, um, that we, we talk about it today in a spiritual sense, the torturing of the soul, the torturing of the soul. And the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 7, talks about this a little bit and mentions this. It's kind of, he's talking about how he was tortured when he says in, in, in Romans chapter 7, he says, I do the things that I don't want to do. I hate it. I hate the fact that the things that I don't want to do, I do them over and over again. And the things that I really want to do, I can't do them. And he was tortured in his soul by this. He's begging God and other passages, God, I'm tortured by this thing. Please take it away from me, right? He was a tortured individual. And some of us in the room, we have an internal battle that's going on inside of you. You maybe feel tortured in your soul. Um, maybe there's something, a secret inside or a behavior that, that you're like Paul, where you're like, I hate this, that I do this thing. I hate that I have these thought patterns or, or there's a pattern in your life that, you, that you, you're like, God, I'll never do this again. After you, you feel so guilty and full of shame after whatever it is that you do. And you're like, God, I'll, I promise I'll never, ever do this again. And then it happens again. And then you feel guilty even more and you're covered with shame about it. And then you start to feel like, well, well, but I can't let anybody know about this because if I do, well, then they're going to think differently about me or maybe there's consequences to the thing that, that, that if, I, if, I'm, if I'm, I open up about it or if I let people know that I'm struggling with this area of my life, then what would they think, right? This is something that so many of us live with and many of us are normal on the outside, right? We smile. We come to church, praise God. God is good, right? And we say things like that, or maybe you're, I'm just joking, obviously, in some of the Christianese churchy talk, but we pretend on the outside like everything's okay. Our Instagram looks good, right? Look at me, I'm at this restaurant with this awesome food or going on a great vacation, but when I'm alone, when I'm at home, right? When I'm by myself, Oftentimes I feel guilty or I feel full of shame and, and I'm coming face to face with things inside of me that, that I don't like or that, I'm, that I feel I could keep secrets, maybe sinful secrets deep inside, a secret there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 talks about this concept here. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. It's interesting, right? As Christians, we are no longer citizens of this earth. So he calls us strangers of this world, to abstain from what? From sinful desires which war against your souls. War against your souls. He's not telling us to abstain from things because they're going to uh, war against our bodies as some of them have an effect on them. He's saying that sin in its, in its greatest peace, sinfulness, especially secret sin, is wars against our soul, the very fiber of our being. Now, what is it that tortures our souls? What tortures our souls? There's two things. The first is we're tor tortured by sinful things that we have done. Sinful things that we've done. David, the psalmist, illustrates this, feeling the weight of his sin in Psalm 38, verses 3 and 4. This is what he says. He says, my bones have no soundness because of my sin. He's like, my bones feel brittle because of the sin in my life. My guilt 
has what? Overwhelmed me. He's talking. This is a man right now who's writing in his journal, right? Or writing a poem or a song, or he's, he's writing a blog post, right? A pre- like that's kind of the modern day version of what David did in the Psalms is he's writing to get his feelings out, his thoughts out. And something had happened to him. In this case, it might have been one of the passages where he had, he had just committed adultery with Bathsheba. And no one knew about it, and he had murdered his wife, the, the wife of, uh, of Uriah, I'm sorry, murdered her husband to cover it up. And no one knew about it. And he's feeling the weight of this sin, the weight of the guilt and the shame of this thing that he's holding inside. And he writes, my bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. It's like some of us in the room, like this tortured soul, are saying, I don't have the strength to bear the weight of my sin. That's a tortured soul. When I was a young man, again, earlier in my life, I remember um, my first exposure to pornography. I remember going to a friend's house, uh, and he had, like, you know, we went into his, like, this like, little office den thing. And I remember... Uh, on the, there was a stack of magazines, and then there were like three or four Playboy magazines in there. And I remember, um, you know, seeing that for the very first time. And it was like this rush, right? Exhilaration of like, woo, like what am I about to see? Um, and then I remember putting them away because, you know, you only have a limited amount of time because the parents might walk in the room or whatever. And I remember my mind just continuing to think about what I had saw. And there was this weird feeling that I had of, of like, that was exhilarating because my eyes are wired to, to experience that in, in a natural sense to, to, be, to, to be aroused by that. But then there was also this feeling of, I, I feel like there was something wrong there, right? Fast forward a little bit. I remember my parents were grocery shopping, and they let me walk through this shopping center that we had um, you know, while they were shopping. And I remember going to the magazine aisle and stealing a penthouse magazine from you know, back when grocery stores used to have these things, right? They used to have those in those plastic bags. You know? I remember stealing it and going to a, a bookstore or another place to the bathroom in the back room, and I opened it up, and I remember looking at it. For the, This is the very first time I'd ever seen anything like that. And I remember having this feeling of, of guilt and shame. And I was actually nauseous because, and I believe it wasn't just because of, I, wasn't, I, had, I, I saw something new or different that I understand. I believe that my soul in that moment was, was honestly being crushed under the weight of something that I knew was wrong. First, I had stolen something. And then secondly, I was seeing something that my soul was not, was not meant to see. You know, And that began a long journey of me struggling with pornography. This is something that I, a journey that I have walked for a very long time. And, and to be honest with you, my soul has been tortured for a very long time. And I never told anyone about that day, about that moment. Never opened up to anyone about what I had seen that day and how it had affected me. And I carried that with me. And it's been a long struggle and carried tremendous guilt and shame over it into my adulthood. Why are we tortured as individuals, sometimes because of the sin that we secretly carry. Maybe it is pornography for some of you. Maybe it's lies that you've told and you're desperately seeking to keep those lies from coming out. Perhaps it's cheating on your taxes. Perhaps it's cheating on your spouse. Perhaps it's overeating. Maybe you don't want anyone to know that you struggle with, with food overeating and it's a crutch for you. Perhaps it's overspending, lying to someone about your finances. Maybe you're addicted to some substance. There are so many reasons that people are tortured tortured, and we're worried about the consequences if it got out. 
We try to hide it. We are tortured. The second reason that we are often tortured in our souls is we're tortured by the lies that we believe, not just by the things that we've done, but by the lies that we believe. You know, we believe that our lies, that our spiritual enemy, Satan, whispers to us in our souls, whispers to us. Listen to this in John chapter 8, verses 44 and 45, who he is. Listen to who Satan is described as. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. You know, maybe someone said something to you when you were a kid. I think my mom would be okay with me telling this story. I went through a lot of pain and struggle as a, as a youth, um, made a lot of bad decisions that, that caused our family a lot of pain. And my mother looked at me one day, and she said to me, Jared, now you're just a statistic. That's what my mom said to me. We've since worked through that. I love my mother dearly. We found healing and forgiveness there. But I will tell you that that word, that I'm just a statistic, or that now I'm a statistic, has, has weighed in my soul for so long. Maybe someone said something to you a long time ago. Right? Maybe someone did something to you. Maybe you've seen too many movies about what a woman or a man should look like or act like or be like. Maybe you listen to, have listened to too many songs or read too many books that paint a picture of what something should be or what life should be like. Maybe you have seen too many Instagram posts or Facebook posts and you're wondering how come everyone else's life looks like a vacation but mine is not. And we believe these lies that torture our souls. The Satan is whispering into our ears, telling us, oh, you've done that. That means you are that. You did this thing. That means you must be that thing. You did something bad. That means you are bad. You failed at something. That means you are a failure. You've blown it. Well, you might as well just keep doing it because it doesn't matter anymore. These are the lies that, that, that we learn to tell ourselves, the lies that we believe because the enemy is whispering. He's the father of lies. He wants to keep us from knowing who we truly are, that we are loved. And we live this torture all the time. We walk from place to place, and we, we, we have shadows living in our souls, and we don't even know what to do about it. So often times we connect what happened to us with who we are, and we think this is just the way we are, and we feel like, I can't tell anybody. If they knew, they wouldn't like me anymore. They wouldn't want to be my friend. If I told my wife or my husband or my teacher or my boss, then I could lose everything. This is what we tell ourselves. We start to believe it. I've got to carry the secret to my grave. But the reality is, is that your secret is taking you to the grave. So what do we do when we're tortured by our own sin? What do we do? Well, earlier in the series, we talked about how we talk to our souls, right? We preach to our soul. That's what David said. He said, why are you downcast, oh soul? Like he's talking to himself. And he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, right? He, he's commanding himself. He says, you know what? I'm going to seek out what, what is true. And then I'm going to tell myself over and over again that this is true and that is a lie. So we're going to tell our soul. So what do we do when we are tortured by our own sin? Tell your soul. When you are tempted to hide your sin, tell your soul that it is better to confess your sins than to hide your sins. Tell your soul it's better to confess your sin than to hide your sin. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says this, He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses 
and renounces them finds what? Mercy. The person who hides it, the one who keeps it in, the one who's like, I can't let anybody know, does not prosper. And I think we see that, right? Constantly we're tripped up by our own sin. Constantly we're tripped up by our own secrets. But the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. If you hold it in, it poisons you. It poisons you. If you let it out, you will find healing, forgiveness, and mercy. This past week I had food poisoning or some kind of um, bacterial or virus. What does food poisoning do? It's you eat something that is not good for you and your body can't take it and it immediately wants to vomit it out, right? Sin, secret sin, hiding it inside is like food poisoning. It will poison you from the inside out and your soul is crying out for you to spit it out, to confess it because what does the scripture say? Those who hold it in, who conceal it, do not prosper, but the ones who get it out, the ones who confess and renounce it, find mercy. That's God's word. It finds mercy Unconfessed sin is like poison to the soul. We've got to reject it. We have to confess it. We've got to get it out. So there are two ways that we confess our sins. The first is that we confess to God for forgiveness of sins, right? So this is the common one. This is the one we're pretty good at, right? Generally speaking, we confess our sin to God. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins to God, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and will purify us from all righteous, unrighteousness. It's like an Etch-a-Sketch, right? You know how like, anybody remember the Etch-a-Sketch when you were kids? It's this like little weird red box that has like sand or something in it and you draw with the dials and the little gray little thing goes around and it makes a color, but then when you shake it up, it erases. That's what it's like, you know. We oftentimes feel guilty in the presence of God because we feel like the, not, the last time that I prayed to him, I said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Forgive me, God. I, don't, I, don't, I'm, I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross and he saved me and I'll never do this again. I'm thankful that I'm free, right? Like we get excited by the freedom that Jesus offers us. But then between point A and point B, we screw up again. And then we come back to him and either we go, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, if I want to go back to him because I feel guilty. Because he's going to remember. I, he remembers the last time I just told him. That I just told him I wouldn't do it again. Right? And our fear is that, that like confessing to him is just like a one-time thing. Or like, that like somehow I'm, I'm guilty. But it's like that etch-a-sketch. That he says, listen, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And it says in other parts of scripture that he casts it into like the sea of forgetfulness. The sea of forgetfulness. In other words, this idea of that when you, when he forgives you and he says, yes, it's forgiven under the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, it's gone. So next time you come back and you say, God, I did it again. Because did what? I did what? What are you talking about? I can't tell you how many times my kids screw up in the same thing that they do over and over again. And I know that there's guilt and there's shame there, but every time they come back to me and they talk to me and they're looking for grace, I don't go, well, you do this all the time, so you're only getting three-fourths forgiveness today. Like, I don't do that. Instead, I say, you know what? Just like Jesus, my mercies are new every day. Like, that's the whole idea. It's like an etch-a-sketch. We shake it up and we ask for forgiveness. And it's good because we're forgiven. 
Now listen, I'm not saying that like, you know, we can just do whatever we want and it gets forgiven out there. That's a whole different sermon on grace and, and, and sanctification and, and all of that, right? We're not talking about that. But right now, the principle you need to understand is that if you're tortured in your soul, the first way to confess your sin is to go to God and say, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to carry this anymore. This is like poison in my soul. I'm sorry. This is what I did and I don't want to do it anymore, all right? In that space, you are promised that you will find forgiveness. Now, this one we're really good at pretty good at, I should say. But there's one area that we often miss. The second way that we confess sins, first we confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing from sin. The Bible makes it clear there are two two different ways that we should be confessing pretty much every time. We confess our sin to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to people for healing from sin. Because we can be forgiven And like, you know, punch that ticket to heaven, if you will, which is not, again, that's another sermon series. But the idea here is that you still are tortured in your soul. Almost everybody in this room today has found forgiveness for their sin, but are still feeling tortured. Why? Because there's still secrets in your soul that no one else knows that you won't tell, and it's still poisoning you. We confess to God for forgiveness of sin, but we confess to people for healing from sins. How do I know that? Where does that come from? Well, I'm glad you asked. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Anytime somebody comes to me as a pastor or as a friend and says, hey, I'm going to tell you something that I've never told anyone. I know in that moment that uh, this is going to be one of the hardest days of that person's life, but also one of the best. Because here's what happens. I know that it takes a lot to confess something that you've been carrying, right? Right? Something that is that is that you've happened and you've you've spent a lot of time and effort to kind of cover those tracks, right? I know that. I've been there myself. It's extremely difficult. And when someone comes to me as a friend or as a pastor and says, Pastor Jared, I need to confess something, I need to tell you something. It's something that that it's just it's eating me alive and I can't hold it in anymore, but I'm afraid of the consequences. I know that it's about to be that person's one of the hardest days of their life because of the consequences that may come from exposing whatever that was. And yet, I know it's also going to be one of the best days of their life. And do you know why it is? Because I know that we're about to have a major spiritual breakthrough. breakthrough. Why is that? Because there's healing that comes with confession. That's what God's Word says. When we hide it, when we hold it in, we are poisoned and we become bitter and it begins to change everything about us. When we say, I need to say this, I need to get it out into the open, we allow light, we allow Jesus into areas of our heart that we think are open to him but truly are not because we're holding it off because we're worried that if it gets out, if just a little bit of it gets out, it's going to seep out and my life could be ruined. But I, here's the thing that I would say to you is that Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. And his word commands us to be true and to be honest and to find healing. And the healing that we want, the healing that we need, we have to trust his word that when we tell and confess our sins to each other and we pray for each other and we carry that burden together, he promises healing in those moments. And this is why life groups are so important at our church. You know, we harp on them all the time. 
And the reason for that is because it's a safe place to do just this. You don't have to tell everybody everything. You just need to tell somebody something. Find some people in your life that you can be honest with and tell them about it. People who will pray for you. People who will walk with you. People who will give you counsel. They see things that you don't see, blind spots in your life. And we go to life groups not just so that we can, we can eat together, and we do, and not just so we can study the word together, and we do, but also there's a big part of our time in every life group called a check-in where we talk about what's going on, and we say, I'm struggling with this, or I'm, I'm, I'm doing really great in that, and we ask the question, what is God doing in your life? Where do you see him in your life? And sometimes people say, I don't know where God is right now. I'm struggling. And other times they say, hey, God's teaching me this. And occasionally someone will say, i got to say something. And it might, might, might freak you out, and, you, and I'd understand. I've had people say to me, and it might, maybe you won't want to be my friend anymore. People who've told me they were gay. I had a friend uh, of mine who was in our life group who told me that at one point. He took me out to coffee and said, I want to tell you. And he came out to me as being gay. And he was afraid that I was going to, that I was going to shun him. And again, that's a whole other sermon series about the topic of that. But the point in this matter was is that he felt like something was poisoning him inside. And he needed to confess it because he was hiding it from someone. And he found healing when he was able to share with a friend. This is why life groups are so important. Go build relationships with other people and share what's going on in your life. Remember the, the struggle with pornography that I mentioned earlier, and it carried well into my marriage. I remember confessing one day to Heather. I remember telling her just so many times. It was one of the worst days of my life, you know, telling my wife and all the feelings that she would have relating to her husband being addicted to pornography in a lot of, in a lot of senses. And, and, and even how it had recently occurred when she thought things were fine. And, you know, and, and I want to tell you, men and women, there are women who struggle with pornography as well. If this is a struggle for you, I don't say any of this um, to, to, to make you feel guilty. But I'm telling you that when I had a heart-to-heart conversation with my wife about this, when I confessed something that I had not confessed to anyone, when I had never put, I had never put words to what I knew was true, right? But then I spoke it out, and to my wife, there was healing that began that day. Now she knew how to pray for me. Now she knew how to, how to hold me accountable, how to ask for me. And she recommended that I talk to other men, other friends that I could be honest with, and then they know how to pray for me, and they know how to ask me. And I found healing, and God works in those circumstances. Yes, our relationship was rocky for, for a little while after that. Not, not like we were about to be divorced or anything, but there was a trust factor there. There were consequences to my honesty, and I don't want to sugarcoat that. And that's why, one of the reasons why we hide it so much, because we're afraid of those consequences. But when you confess to someone who you know is, is good and trustworthy and loves you, in a, in a body of people who will sit with you and live with you and walk with you, yes, there might be pain. Yes, there might be consequences. But I'm telling you, the Bible says there is healing. There is breakthrough. And it is so far better than the poisoning of our souls, the torturing of our souls. The combination of confession and grace and support brought healing and progress in my life. And this is far less of a struggle in my life now than it was. And I, you know why? Because I'm not alone in it. God knows. My wife knows. There are friends that know. And I've set things up in my life to protect me and to put boundaries around in my life to where this is not a struggle for me the way that it used to be. And that happens because of confession. You will never make progress in your life if you don't confess your sin to God and to other people. 
And in fact, one of the marks of maturity of an, of an individual, and particularly as a follower of Christ, is the this, this span of time between sin and confession. Think about this for a second. A mark of maturity is the, is the short span of time between, man, I screwed up, and then confessing it. Owning it, right? And that also helps you to stay on track. A mark of maturity in your faith is, is recognition and confession. Immediately. Satan says, don't tell anyone. It'll ruin you. It'll destroy you. No, instead you tell your soul, don't be stupid. Don't be tortured. Confess your sins. It's better to confess your sin than to hide your sin. The one who conceals his sin does not prosper, but who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The second thing that you need to tell your soul, the first thing was that it is better to confess than to hide your sin. And the second thing is this, is that you tell your soul Christ will set you free. Christ will set you free. Hey, soul, this is me telling myself, you don't have to be tortured You don't have to feel this way. You don't have to live this way. You can be free. Satan says, no, you'll always be this way. Hey, soul, greater is the one who is in me than the one who is in the world. Hey, soul, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. These are scripture verses that I tell myself. Hey, soul, if Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. Hey, soul, you don't have to be here trapped and tortured in this private sin. But then you sit here, but there's no way out. I'll never get out. I've struggled with this for too long. Anybody in the room? You don't have to, anybody in the room like this, there's no way out or the way out is just too painful. If I do it, everything could be over. Listen, listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. There is always a way out, always a way out. Christ will set you free. And some of this is where now the responsibility falls onto our shoulders where we have to begin to say, I am set free. I have been forgiven. I have told my friends. And there were plenty of times in the beginning of this struggle with pornography that I had where I had friends who were said, hey, as soon as you have a temptation, call me up, text me. And no matter what time of day it is, I will talk you through it, right? But I wouldn't choose it. In that moment, I would not choose the way out that was provided for me. There is an element now to where we can't just continue to say, God's going to set me free and then never even walk through the door, right? The idea is that now Jesus has paid for our sin. He's defeated death, right? And he's opened the door for us to walk into freedom, into salvation. But many of us sit back here in our prison cell, looking at the door, but don't walk out of it. Hey, soul. You can be free. You do not have to remain trapped anymore. You don't have to remain tortured anymore. Jesus will always give you a way out, but we have to look for it, and we have to be willing to take it. I, I remember growing up, I always, I, and still to this day, I love video games. And I remember, I remember getting to a certain part in a map or, or a puzzle in a particular video game, and I would feel like I would just constantly die over and over and over again, or I could not find the way out. I couldn't figure it out, and I would get so frustrated, and I would say, this game is not beatable. It's not possible. I've been playing video games for too long. The developers stopped the game here. 
I can't tell you how many times I felt like that. And I feel like that in my own soul, in my struggles so many times. And maybe you feel the same way. I have tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and there is no way out from this sin. I can't stop it. I can't beat it. But you know what would happen? I keep going back and I keep trying harder, right? Analogy, follow me here, right? And I would play this game and I would try a different angle and I would try a different way and eventually I would find the way out of that dungeon or I would find a way out of that map or I would figure out that puzzle. And this is the same thing. There is always a way out. Jesus always provides a way out for us. Always. The power of Christ will set you free. You can stop drinking. You can stop lusting. You can stop lying. You can confess your secret sin, and God will bring you healing. The door is open. Walk out the door. Don't stay locked in a satanic lie anymore about who you are, about what you've done, about what the things that you struggle with. It does not define you. Christ will be set free, will set you free, be transformed. The choice is yours. What are you going to do? Here are your options. You can carry it alone and be tortured, or you can ask for help. It can be a hard day, but it can also be one of the best days. Trust God with the consequences when you do what is right. This is the hardest part, I think, for so many of us. I have to trust God with what I'm afraid might happen. But again, it goes back to our other messages, right? Trust God's faithfulness in the past. Trust his power for the future. Do you understand this concept? I'm terrified of what it'll do if anyone knows. But it's eating you alive. Confess your sin to each other. Confess your sin to God. Find healing and trust God with the consequences of when you do what is right. So here's what scripture says, and then we're going to take a moment of quiet prayer like we've done each of the other weeks. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25 says this, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. We trust him to keep us on the path. He will protect us. And the overseer of our souls. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. It's time for some soul detox. Let's take a moment now in silence before the Lord. Maybe take a moment and confess the secret sin and maybe even make a, make a resolve in yourself that you're going to, to confess to, to a person for healing soon. Maybe set a date, I don't know. But just, let's just open our hearts now and listen to the Lord. Let him speak to us and have a moment with him for just, just a moment. Let's do that now.
Father, we thank you for the scriptures and the passages all over the Bible that point us in the direction of healing. Thank you that you love us. I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would be tender and gentle in our hearts. Some of us are tortured. We don't want to be, and today maybe is the first time that we actually realized how much. Perhaps you're pinpointing it. God, I pray that right now your spirit would just be gentle and would nudge and say, listen, child, son, daughter, I love you and I see you struggling. There's a better way. God, may we, may we be sensitive to you. May we listen to you this morning. And for anyone in the room, this all begins with saying yes to Jesus. I've talked a lot about this morning about that concept of that this is the forgiveness and grace and mercy is available because, because of what Jesus did on the cross. He carried our sin on the cross so that we didn't have to. And there's mercy and grace waiting for you, that first part of confession. Maybe you don't even know Jesus at all. Maybe you don't, you don't, you're searching for answers and you're carrying around this weight in your soul. The answer is to confess it and to give it over to him and to receive mercy and forgiveness and grace. And I just want to give you an opportunity, everyone in, in the room this morning, to begin a relationship with Jesus. If there's anyone in the room today who wants that grace and that mercy, the forgiveness for their sin for the first time in their life, I just want you to lift your hand up. No one's looking around. I just want to pray for you. So anyone in the room this morning who wants to begin a relationship with Jesus, find healing for their souls. Amen. And for all of us in the room, I think, I believe that all of us are tortured to some level, to some degree. There are things that have been said to us, lies that we believe, or things that we have done that we keep inside, that we carry. We want to receive that grace and mercy and forgiveness today as well. And so, as one body, as one church, let's just all pray together. It doesn't need to be out loud, but let's just make it your prayer and say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I confess my sin. And, and if there is something in you right now that, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit is kind of shedding a spotlight on, whether it is something like a lie or pornography or overspending, I don't know, whatever it might be, some of those things, right now, just pinpoint that and say, I'm sorry for doing that. I'm sorry for letting that control me. I'm sorry for choosing that instead of you. Whatever. You know, let's just let's just lay it out before the Lord. And then, now as a body, we will say, I will commit to confessing my sin on a regular basis to other brothers or sisters that I can trust. I will I will begin relationships with people so that I can be honest and confess my sin so that I can find healing. And we ask you, God, for help. Help us to see the people. Help us to know who we can trust. God, help us to, to, to find relationships, to invest in relationships. God, give us the strength and the courage to, to say what needs to be said. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can find grace and forgiveness. And in this morning, I believe that even this morning, that the Holy Spirit has done great work and that some of you in the room are beginning to already feel like a weight lifting off your shoulders even because you've made a decision. You've made a decision to confess. God, we believe in your word that there will be breakthrough, that there will be healing that we confess to each other. And so we will walk in that now. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. 
Keep us safe as we go from this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.